Welcome to Rowan College of Burlington County's Baroness Podcast. I'm Dr. Brooke Myatt, Program Chair and Assistant Professor of our Entertainment Technologies Department. I'm a committee member of the Women's Advocacy Group and subcommittee of the President's Advisory Council on Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. This monthly series highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. Tune in for a female's perspective into the Burlington County community. We are here to listen to these amazing women. If you want to hear from women who lead and inspire, this podcast is for you. Today joining us is author Lisa Graham and Ashley Montiel, a multidisciplinary artist and designer and an RCBC alum. Thank you both for joining us today. I want to start out with asking uh, Lisa, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Well, hello, and I am so honored to be here Um, I was so pleased when I received the invitation. Uh, I am a resident of Burlington County, grew up in Burlington County, New Jersey, proud mother of raising three beautiful children, uh, and just recently started writing books for children. Uh, Back in 2015 was when we started, so I was very, very fortunate to have been partnered with this amazing young woman, Ashley. Yes. We're going to hear more about her, but I just want to say thanks for having me on this morning. We are happy to have you. And Ashley, love that you're an RCBC alum. I love supporting students. I love to see them grow and inspire others, and I think that's exactly what you've done. Can you give our listeners a short little introduction to who you are? Yeah, hi. Um, Glad to be here. Um, I am an RCBC alum. I was living in Burlington County. Now I live in Portland, Maine, going to Maine College of Art and Design, um, finishing my BSA in graphic design. Um, I am for first and foremost an artist, but like I, I love graphic design. I love branding. Um, so yeah. That's awesome. And I like that you said first and foremost an artist, because I think both of you ladies and why you connected on that level that you're both artists in your own right. Um, You know, Lisa, your art in your words with your stories. And then that just beautifully connected with our students um, here at RCBC. And of course, the connection with Ashley. My big thing about this podcast is bringing together the community. I think that is such a beautiful thing when we can connect into our, you know, we have home court advantage here in Burlington County. And what I'd love for you to discuss is why did you contact RCBC? What was it about coming to RCBC? And I mean, you found such an amazing talent and Ashley, can you kind of tell me how that kind of all transpired? Absolutely. So there is so much talent in our own backyard, and I'm uh, an advocate for children, but I'm also an advocate for young people, too. I think mentorship is something that we don't talk enough about, and so I reached out to uh, the art department, and Tiffany Rocco um, paired me you know, with Ashley. Actually, I called her. I said, look, I, I'd like to give a student an opportunity, and I'd like to be given an opportunity for mentorship do you think we can make that happen? And so we set up an appointment. She said, um, I have some students in mind. Why don't you come in, take a look at their work, and we can go from there. 
And immediately when I saw Ashley's work, um, I knew right away that she was the one that I was praying would accept the project. Um, it was new new grounds for me because my first book, The Adventures of Finley and Cisco, I had gone the professional route with a professional publishing company, um, a division, the, the self-publishing arm of Simon & Schuster. It was Archway. Um, but this time I wanted, I wanted to be more personal. I wanted to be able to work with the person and sit across the table from the person. And uh, so... I found out about Ashley. I found out that she went back to school, which I really, really loved. And she was pursuing she was pursuing her dream, which shows that, you know, there's a time and a place for everything. Um, and we met, and um, that's kind of how everything started. And that's what I love about um, RCBC and having a community college is that the students here come from all walks of life. And that, you know, Ashley was true to her dream, came back to go to school. And now she's obviously we're here. She's in Maine. She couldn't join us because she's keeping pursuing her dream. Um, (laughs) Ashley, what was it that brought you to RCBC? Well, I guess the short answer is it was the most convenient route for me. Um, Starting out, going back to college, it was like a lot of like um, getting back into the routine of like being a student again. Um, RCBC made it like super easy to do that. Um, They were like super flexible and I liked that about it, Um, especially with like my schedule and stuff. Still like I was working full time at the time. So it was like how am I going to fit this in? But it seemed like they had like all kinds of options. And um, that's, that's why I chose RCBC. And then later it just became like, um, there's such a amazing staff there that really um, inspired me and um, helped me uh, be the best uh, artist and future graphic designer that I could be at that point in time. I mean, and, and, and also, like you said, it was, you know, it was convenient. The, the, you know, the staff was amazing, the support and the, you know, I think what is really a wonderful thing about RCBC is that direction to helping you start off that career and how amazing was it to be connected with Lisa to, you know, jumpstart your career and, and illustrate a children's book. I mean, you don't get that opportunity every day that just kind of like, hi, here you go. Like, let's land this. What, tell us about that moment when, you know, your professor said, I, you know, I think you'd be a good fit for this. And then, and, and connecting with Lisa, what was that like for you, that experience? Well, when Tiffany first told me about it, um, she had not like, had the meeting with Lisa to show her like everybody's work yet. So she told me about it and asked me if I'd be interested um, in something like this. And I said, yeah, of course, like it would, it was a great opportunity and it would look great uh, on a resume for experience. It would give me a new um, opportunity for a different kind of experience. Um, So when she told me that I got picked, I was like, I didn't know how to react. (laughs) I was like, in my head, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. And then like, my body was like in shock still. 
I don't think it hit me until later where I was like, this is awesome. Um, but I was so excited to be able to have that experience. Um, and it was not something I was expecting to happen um, as a student. So it was just like crazy for me. And I think what's really amazing that you said about this, it, you know, it was to have a, an opportunity like this, but also that Lisa, you spoke about that mentoring opportunity for you. Um, how was it on the, the flip side, obviously hearing how amazing this was for Ashley in her career, but also then for you to be a mentor and facilitate that? Well, one of the things that Ashley and I talked about early on was the fact that the program uh, at the college really hadn't deserved the recognition that was warranted, that there were so many great artists putting out such amazing pieces of, of work that it really wasn't getting the notoriety that it deserved. So I was excited about that, if, if I could play a part in any way in helping to highlight not only her, but the program. Um, the mentoring was really important to me. Ashley understands that. Maybe she can talk a little bit about the, the work that she has done with children. But I learned, it's so funny, you know, when you're in a position like this, you think you're the teacher. But I, I hope, I, I learned an awful lot from Ashley. I really became the student because this was new ground for me. I had never, I had never done it this way before, and I was very transparent in the beginning. Um, and so Ashley will tell you, and and it it was quite the experience trying to, you know, relate to her what my vision was for characters who hadn't even been designed yet. Um, but then, as she reminded me. Um, that I needed to hold true to her creative style. And so, you know, the, the illustrations were very different from the first book that I did. She had a, a different style, which I love the fact that it's different um, because she, she brought her true talent and her vision to the story, which is now being enjoyed, you know, by thousands of families and children. I have adults at this point saying to me, I was Randall. I was Randall growing up adults like with tears in their eyes that you know such an amazing feeling I'm sure it's an it's yeah it's and she's a part of that and I want her to know that that you know text on the pages are are fine but she truly brought the characters and and their story and their heartache and their you know their um their victory to life um you know it's so beautifully said Ashley what 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 is your creative style what 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 was that when when you had this project, what were you trying to evoke that came off the pages so beautifully? Well, I think I was trying to stay true to myself, um, but I was also exploring new territory um, with digital illustration. Um, so I was trying to maintain some some form of my own creative identity, but I was also trying to give Lisa what she was asking for and she had I remember she gave me a manuscript and it had like each illustration page had like a paragraph um and she basically told me what the characters look like 
through her words, which was great. And I was trying to give her like these big emotions and I was trying to invoke um, a sense of a way for people to relate to the characters just based on their expression, um, which I, based on the reaction of the book from what Lisa has said and from, you know, following um, the growth of the story online, it seems to have done that. And I'm really happy that it's um, basically not just touched children, but also touched adults who have possibly gone through a similar thing. And this was so challenging because as I was speaking with Ashley in our, in our pre-interview, she's like, you know, the book, it, it's not people. She's like, it's candles. She's like, and to make candles emotional <laughs> and to have them have faces and a, and a smile and to make them look, you know, cutesy or sad. And I was like, really? So, you know, that must have been awfully challenging to be like, um, yeah, we need to make two candles, you know, and they have a relationship here and draw emotional, like, you know, how was that for you, Ashley? I mean, that must have been such a challenging feat in itself. I mean, staying true to your style is one thing, but then almost creating something outside the norm, which is totally what the book is about, right? But but mm-hmm. the, the illustrations as well. Yeah, so um, the illustrations, uh, it's funny because... Uh, during our our pre-interview you know I I had to really reflect on that it was uh it was interesting putting faces on candles and inanimate objects um, because they don't like you have to like in your head account for how people's faces move around and uh, things of that nature when they have different expressions so uh, so I was like well how do I do that without just like making the candle basically like disform. Um, So it still remains, the character still remains a candle, but also has all this like life to it. Um, So, you know, it was a challenge. I definitely drew their faces probably more than 500 times different ways. (laughs) Uh, It was a lot of tweaking. I remember lots of emails and going back and forth from like pen and paper to the computer and starting over and it was a challenge but um I definitely feel like I at the end of it got their faces right um so they were still the character and they were still obviously this like these beautiful candles. Um, And beautiful candles, uh, you know, I love that you said that, but, you know, one of the things is, you know, a candle is never the same, right? We light a candle, a little bit melts one section, you know, melts in another direction, we blow it out, and then it kind of, you know, reforms itself. We relight it, it changes its formation. And, 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 and it's like people, but, you know, you had this vision for this story about that everyone has this uniqueness um, and it transforms into everyone has this unique light inside them. How did you come up with this story? 
Good question. Put you on the spot. You did. I'm going to light your inner light, and oh, then you're you going to shine. There you go. Um, well, <laughs> you know, in whenever people ask me this question, I'm always very um, transparent about my faith. My faith is very, very important to me, and it just so happens that the three children's books that we've done they're part of our Healing Hearts book series for children. Um, they have the elements of air, uh, light, and water. And I don't know. I guess this was the divine inspiration behind the light. Um, I, I just, I'm, I'm a believer in validating each other. Uh, I'm a believer that we're all here for a purpose. Um, I'm a believer that we all need to allow each other's light to shine, which is part of the program that goes with this particular book. Um, you know, I, I believe we all have a light and how brightly that light is shining, you know, maybe we had it and it was shining brightly and something happened and it's been extinguished. Um, maybe it's, it's, it's going great guns and it's shining brightly, or maybe it's been dimmed by something. So I felt that that was a very powerful symbol that hopefully we could create through a children's book that would communicate that message to not only children, but as I said, to, to adults, you know, we all want to be recognized. Um, and I wanted to, to, you know, put a book out there to pour, to, so that mentors, caregivers, uh, parents, teachers, what have you, could help to pour belief into a child. Um, so everything about the book revolves around light. So the, the factory worker, Lucan, who found Randy in the supply closet, that name, Lucan, means light in Basque. His wife, Jome, means light in Japanese. Um, the story takes place in Paris, the city of lights. So I was very deliberate about, um, you know, making everything in the book as much as I possibly could to tie into the symbolism of light, even when they light both of his wicks in the kitchen. And I say that, you know, we're in a kitchen, um, and we spend a lot of time on the kitchen, Ashley and I, um, and yes, just, just, you know, making sure, okay, where is he when he has his quote-unquote birth, when he is lit, when, when his light shines, and everyone now can see. Um, you know, it's not just seeing, it's symbolic. You know, oh my gosh, they, they see my worth. You know, I'm actually doing something to help. And you know, just even from having two wicks as opposed to one, like all the other candles had, um, you know, that was a difference. And that was why they put an imperfect label on him. Uh, and the sim symbolism there is we label people. You make a mistake or you, you have something that's very different about you. We judge you, right? Society judges you. It's not just children, it's people. And we label you. And so true. And we pull you out and we set you aside and, um, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. I don't care what you do after this. Once we've labeled you, you know, you're a kid, you're never going anywhere. Um, and so that imperfect label was kind of our anthem. You know, I love that you had the imperfect label, um, you know, and, and how the story unfolded. And I don't want to give it away <laughs> <laughs> about the about the label and how you read things differently. And yeah, you, perception. you know, perception is just so huge, um, you know, in our society, um, you know, and, and, and the way our society is changing and accepting and moving and shaking. And, you know, kudos to everybody that's trying to make to make that change. And you two ladies are certainly, um, you know, for forefront and the forerunners of, of trying to do that. Ashley, what about this unique story 
resonated with you? Like, how did you connect with the story? What, what was it about the story of these candles that resonated with you? And how did you connect when starting to, you know, craft the images for this book? The story for me was, you know, I think the story in general for everybody is a personal one. And I think it's a personal one that people don't want to admit to um, until it's like right in front of their face. Um, And I think we've all like gone through this um, labeling that Lisa was talking about where, you know, we mess up, something happens, the situation happens and everybody from the outside who doesn't know what's going on on the inside and puts a label on it. And all of a sudden, um, you know, that's, you can't do anything else. You know, you're just under this category. So um, for me, the story, like I said, was a personal one. And I um, grew up in a not so supportive environment. Um, So it was definitely, like I said, it resonated with me on a personal level. And I put myself in those shoes a little bit. Um, And, you know, I think that's what drew me to it. I was just like, I can get behind this because this is everybody. Um, It's not just me. It's not just Randall, the candle. It's, uh, It's, you know, probably everybody from the people walking down the street to like little kids. I totally agree. And, you know, helping kids and the, and the power of, you know, providing this beautiful story for children. And I know, Lisa, you said a lot of your, your series is all about, um, you know, literacy for children, writing these beautiful books and that foundation of, you know, earth, what is it? Light, what did you say? Light, water, and air. air. What do you think connects Randall to all those pieces, those foundational nature, you know, pieces for you. I think it's staying true to yourself. Um, you know, you talk about nature. That's where I'm the most at home. That's where I get my creative, when my creative juices start flowing, I go to the beach. Uh, you know, or I go outside or I take a walk and I just try and quiet the noise. And that's where the, a lot of the ideas come from. Um, for Randall, you know, he just so wanted to be loved and he wanted to know that he belonged somewhere and that he was just good enough. And I, I think the message that I really just want to get across is it's just amazing how even just one person pouring belief into you can change your whole perspective. Um, You know, I was watching American Idol last night, and I love watching that show. Not so much because of, you know, the singing, although, you know, I love that. But it's the story. And I have to tell you, you know, they just finished the auditions, and I cry. I'm moved to tears. Jimmy Valvano, one of the SB, you know, uh, Spirit Award winners, the Arthur Ashe Award, he had a he had a famous line in his speech. He was dying of cancer. His body was full full of tumors when he gave this speech. He wound up passing away three months later. He said, "You know, a good day for me." People ask me how do I how do I get up in the morning and know I'm dying of cancer. How do I get up in the morning? He said three things. If I can laugh, 
if I can have my emotions move to tears, whether it's sorrowful or joyful, and if I can think, that's a good day. And, you know, when I watched this, the show last night, I was drawn to tears. I was moved to tears because it was, you know, these, a lot of these kids have come from out of the country. Yeah, or all walks of They've life. given up yeah. everything. These people mm-hmm. were living in their cars, and they, they are so worried. They have that imposter syndrome, and they walk into that room, and they stand in that circle in front of the largest business icons in the industry, Lionel Richie, Luke Bryant, Katy Perry. And after a, a 30 or, or, or a, a, a song, a three-minute song, and they get the, you're going to Hollywood, let's say. And they immediately burst into tears. They almost, you know, just kind of lose it. And they walk out of the room and their whole perception on their value has changed. Because it people only takes that, a second. Because the people yeah. that they looked up to, val- they, they validated them. Sure. Right? And I, and I think we can do that. We can do that for people. This story can do that for people. Luke and saw something when he saw that little candle in the closet that, you know, they cast him away, but he saw them and said, my wife, who's a teacher who loves candles, he's really cool. I'm going to take him home. He saw something in him that no one else did. And I think that's that's a role that we all can play. I don't care yeah. who you are. We are all wishing for that. We all want somebody just to validate that one thing in our lives yeah. to, to, to help us shine brighter. Right. Right? Yeah. Ashley, what is that good day for you? What's what's a good day for you? Oh, man. What is a good day for me? I feel like I don't have awful days. Um, Kudos. A really good day for me is, like, as far as, like, my art and stuff is being concerned is not having to start over. I, you get like really far into something and then you realize this isn't working and you have to start over. I had a portrait um, commission over the winter that I'm still working on and I had to like, I got halfway through it and like something just wasn't working and I just had to like wash it all out um, and then like re-sketch, redraw, like go back to the start and um so now that it's working, it was like, it was like, a, oh, this is great. <laughs> That's a good day for me. <laughs> what, where do you go? I know, you know, Lisa shared, she likes to just, you know, go to the beach, breathe in the fresh air, hear the beautiful waves. Where's that place for you? Where do you just kind of, you know, check out and just be, what's that spot for you? Um, well, when I lived in New Jersey, I did that at the horse farm that I rode at. Um, here in Maine, it's, I really haven't found that place yet, but we're working on it. We, there's lots of beautiful hiking and walking areas that we like to go to here. Um, so that's really nice, uh. And then also at the college I'm going to now, like they provide us with our own individual studio space. And that's sort of like a little like getaway where I can just do my thing. You know, we talked. Like recuperate. Yeah, just reconnect. We talked last, our last episode. um, And I guess that's something else that maybe you um, connected with Dr. Ruko on is she's also a, a loves horses. Um, and I think what's really beautiful about horses is that 
again, similar to your book, they're not judging you. They're just there. You can talk to them. You can ride them. You can brush them. You can do all these things, but they're not, they're not, you know, you can talk to them, but they're not there judging you. And it's the same thing that we all wish for. Um, and I think that's really strong that you both almost have that connection there with, with horses. What, what is it about horses that is that connection for you and that love, Ashley? Um, so horses for me, horses saved my life as a child. Um, I had a very difficult childhood, um, growing up with, uh, turbulent parents. Um, so they, they sort of saved my life. They built me up and, um, they built my confidence back up. Um, uh, made me feel worthy. Uh, they gave me this whole new outlook on life and uh and it sounds crazy <laughs> but it's true I don't think I would be the person I was today or I am today uh without them period can I add something to that think about the experience you have with the horse it's one-on-one it's one-on-one and the horses are highly spiritual animals they're highly intuitive in fact, you can Google uh, therapy animals, and there, there's actually I think Ash, I think I might have sent it to you. There's there, or you maybe you sent it to me. There are several horses. I think we talked about it. Yeah, yeah. They, there's several horse farms that are for therapy. Uh, yes, I know. There's in e- Burlington County, tons of them. And yeah. and there's actually horses that people take to hospitals. There's a video of a of a of a horse that's led down the hallway. Uh, the owner lets the horse lead which room he's going to go into. Because they have that sense of connection. They just have this inner connection, the spiritual feeling. And there's this amazing video of him going into a gentleman who was ill, young. I don't know if he was a veteran, and he hadn't spoken. And they hadn't really seen a lot of emotion come from him. And this horse went up, and I'm telling you, went nose to nose. And you know they have those big, beautiful eyes. Oh, yeah. Just they had this locked gaze for about 15 seconds and the, the gentleman just started to cry. And it was such a beautiful thing. And horses are just such beautiful creatures anyway. Um, but to share space in that moment with that animal one-on-one. And, and here's the thing. No words. Yeah. No judgment. Right. That connection is so powerful. And I wanted to, if I could, get back to the, just a quick thing about children's books. You know, these are picture books. Um, We have, you know, the story on the one side, but they're they're, they're picture books. And a good picture, a, a good children's book is if you can turn the pages and tell the story without ever reading the words solely by the emotions that are on the characters' faces. And that's what Ashley was able to do, which is very difficult. And she was able to do it beautifully. And the one thing I'll say, because um, she's so humble, <laughs> I want to tout her own horn. She's so comfortable in her own skin. And and I do have a question for you, Ash, because I think people find inspiration from that moment when that crossroads, when you come to that crossroads. If it's can can you share a little bit about 
what was the moment for you when you decided to go back to school? I mean, you said, you know, you grew up in really not a, a supportive environment, maybe, I don't, you know, about maybe pursuing an art career. What, what did it for you? What happened? Where were you that day when you said, you know what, I'm going back to school? It's not a nice story. So um, I actually was married and uh, I went through a divorce. Um, and I realized going through this the year of separation and divorce, um, how basically brought down and um, emotionally... Um, I don't want to say abused, but like emotionally just not treated well, uh, I was. Um, and I got tired and it wasn't just that, but it was like my whole life. It was reflecting on me doing things for other people and doing things um, based on what everybody wanted and not what I wanted. So I had this like aha moment where I was like, I'm sick of this. So I'm going to do what I need to do for me, even if everybody is against it. And that's what I did. And I knew it was going to be an uphill fight. And it has been. <laughs> I will say my aunt and uncle have been like a big supporter of me. And they just want me to be happy. Um, but I have faced opposition from like other family members on it only because um, they're just, I can't even begin to understand their ideals, but, um, you know, it's not what they want. So they don't um, support it. But you found your inner light. She kept on burning. I yep. totally think she has multiple wicks because <laughs> she is, she has certainly been, you know, the go-getter and you're keeping on, you're chucking and you're, and you, you're working and you're not giving up that dream. And, you know, I find that so powerful. What would you share with other young adults in your position that are kind of teetering on that, that line of, should I go back? Should I go back to school? What can I do? How do I, how do I get there? What kind of advice would you give them? Man, what would I, it's like advice I should have get somebody should have like gave me a time machine to give myself. Um, I would say to these people that, um, you know, follow your bliss. What do you like to do and how can you make that something that's um, lucrative or just something that you enjoy? You don't have to uh, work at a job or work for something that isn't going to make you happy and you're going to be miserable at um, and the other piece of advice that I would give them is don't just jump to go to school make sure you know what you want to do um, I feel like people don't take the time to like get to know themselves and understand themselves and find themselves and they jump into things that they think they want and then later they realize they never really want it at all um, so, you know, to take that time and really get to know you is important in making those decisions. And inspirational writers, 
Lisa, because this was kind of like your first jump into writing a story and trying to figure out publishing and all the craziness of writing a book. And you, you really had no idea and you were just getting your feet wet and you were on the ride along with Ashley. What, what would you tell young budding authors, creative writers, um, you know, people that are interested in possibly, you know, going back to school or starting to write a book, what, what kind of, um, you know, goals or examples or, you know, what would you tell them? Well, let me, let me start off. Let me answer um, or, or let me speak to something Ashley said, uh, how people can look at you. You see yourself, you know, you, you, you look at the possibilities and the potential. And sometimes the people around you just can't see it yet. And I heard a great quote, a friend of mine said, you know, Jesus was told you can't preach in your own neighborhood. You know, you're just the son of a carpenter, you know, and uh, I laugh and I think about that a lot. Sometimes people just can't see it yet. And that's where these that's where the people, you know, so I go back to Napoleon Hill, right? Get your mastermind network around you, build a a support network. And if if you want to do something that someone else has done, you know, that is the one thing that that is, you know, Get your resources. Find somebody who's doing what you did, work that you really um, appreciate. Talk to them. Reach out. You'd be surprised um, with with technology now. You know, through through Instagram or following someone or, or tweeting someone, you'd be surprised at how many people um, can get back to you and will get back to you to give you some sometimes free advice. Um, they can kind of speed up the process for you a little bit by telling you maybe what they did, um, where they would tell you maybe to steer away from. Um, there are so many different ways to get published these days. You know, you can self-publish. You can just throw up on, you know, an Amazon seller account and throw a book up on Amazon. Um, mine, mine's a little differently. I mean, while our books are up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, um, I chose to, to, to buy my books through Empower Kids because I want to develop a relationship with the reader. I want to be able to autograph the books. I want to be able to, if I can write a message that is for a child maybe who's struggling, um, to get a personalized message from someone that you know that you know wrote the book. Um, I'll even do personal messages like Zooms um, for parents who are saying, could you please just hop on and do a story time read or do something because they're really having a hard time. And I think what's beautiful about your books that, you know, it's not just the book you get, um, you know, I, I sat down with my daughter when you sent me these books and I was like, you know, I need to do some research for this podcast. Could you read the book to me? Cause I didn't want to read the book. I want her to read the book and then tell and, me about it, you know, what's important. and she did. And what was beautiful is you have all these other materials that you provide, you know, your reader with, you have these gorgeous, and I heard Ashley was kind of behind the, uh, she did, she the, made the them. let's draw Randall. My eight year old tried to do the let's draw Randall, which <laughs> I thought was so beautiful because that co- totally comes full circle. Right. Cause she was like, I, I drew Randall like 500 times to figure out how to get, how to get the, the, the smile so perfectly and how to get the eye and how to get the lips and you know, all these kinds of things. It's so cool that it, it really resonated with my daughter on doing that you need to actually share the little mermaid story so she can go back and talk tell her daughter about the little mermaid what's the little mermaid 
Uh, so when I was uh, very small, probably bad hurry. <laughs> Little Mermaid was still is my favorite Disney yeah, movie. Who doesn't like um, Ariel? Come on. Right. <laughs> right. So I have this memory of just one day I was just like, I want to draw this mermaid and I drew it and it looked awful and I was upset about it. Um, so I just kept doing it and drawing and like this is years and years and years I just kept drawing and doing it and doing it um and I had actually forgotten that story or even that memory at some point and I really remembered it but um yeah it's sort of where it all started and it just became like art just became a habit it became a uh, part of my identity as a person and um, I think it's great that you packaged the story with the art piece and again using the word that she said identity letting the child you know deliver what the in their mind is is Randall and what maybe their own personal identity is in drawing something like this and then the other thing is you get an amazing certificate of achievement that makes us you know it's such a wonderful program and the word empower, like you said, empower kids. I mean, if these materials with the book doesn't strike the word empowerment, I don't, I don't know what does. So I think it's such a beautiful compliment. I mean, first off your, your words on the, on the page and then having a young artist, you know, the compliment of her artistry and her hard work, you know, she's doing this when she's a full-time student She's working. She's trying to. She's trying to draw Randall five hundred and fifty-five thousand times with a with a with a unique eyebrow or something. I mean, it's you know. And these are like I said, you're not people. You're trying to make this round, you know, cylinder like move and and come off the page. And like you said, tell a story from not even using the words. I mean, all together, it's such a powerful moment. And that you said the power of networking too and connecting that resource because what I like to do during the podcast is I like to write down keywords and those keywords for me, I like to turn into almost hashtags. Yeah, exactly. And one of my things that I like to do at the end of, of, of my session is to ask everybody what would be your own personal hashtag if you had one. So what I'd like to do now is I want to read some of these words that I've been jotting down during our conversation. And then I'd love for you to tell me a handful of hashtags that if you were to live through these hashtags or, or you're, you evoked some sort of feeling or hashtag, what would it be? So here we go. Hashtag stay true to yourself. Hashtag mentor. Hashtag opportunity. Hashtag community. Confidence. Worthy. Spiritual. Bliss. Inner light style, no judgment, imperfect, possibilities. Those to me were some powerful words that we sh we, sh we all shared today in our conversation. So I'm going to go to Ashley first. If you had a hashtag that was your own personal hashtag, doesn't have to be just one, what would some of those words be for you to share this story and this, this basically this adventure that you've been going on in your life? That is a whole question. And that is a hard question. Um, I think my hashtag would be, have to be, you know, 
hashtag be true to yourself um, and hashtag don't stop. Uh, because I think when we stop, uh, we fool ourselves into thinking that what we, what is true to us isn't important and uh, it is important. And I, that is a hard lesson I've had to learn over the years is to put yourself first. I think that's beautifully said. Lisa, what about yourself? Okay. Um, the first one would be Hardest. And I heard there's a heavy metal band with that name. <laughs> um, I am loved. I am enough. I matter. Be the light. Being is believing. And I'm a huge advocate of keeping the arts alive um, in all schools because I believe if you can teach someone to understand that by being a creative that helps release and express your emotions. Mr. Rogers is a huge mentor of mine, and he constantly talked to the kids about and to the parents about if you want to know what your child's feeling, watch how they play. Watch how they color. Look at the colors they choose. Let them pound clay. And he always said if it's mentionable, it's manageable. So one of the goals through the books is to provide tools for anyone who is reading to a child or with a child to help them identify, share, and manage their emotions. Because he said, if it's mentionable, it's manageable. And, um, you know, we focus so much on academics in our schools, and that's fine. Um, you know, we need the children to develop self-discipline. Um, but, you know, I think we don't spend and, – and athletics, that's great too. But there are so many kids out there who aren't – you know, the star student or, you know, the, the kid who's going to get that scholarship, you know, to go to a school to play football or baseball or what have you. But you've got these artists and these singers and these dancers and um, musicians. And it's such a beautiful way to help them find their identity. And I love that. And identity, it's, it's everything. You know, who am I? And and once I start to understand that, then I can understand my purpose and I can find my voice in the world. What greater gift is that than being able to help a child find their way? Well, I want to just say thank you both for sharing your voice. And what is definitely mentionable today is where everyone can find <laughs> more information about each of you. So, um, Ashley, where can our listeners connect with you um they can connect with me through my instagram which is a is for underscore ashley um there's also a link to my website on my instagram which has an impossibly long um, <laughs> url so um the link is there um, and that's the best way to see my work but also reach out to me Excellent. And Lisa, how can we get in contact with you and learn more about these wonderful stories that you've written? So our website is the best way. It's L Graham author, L-G-R-A-H-A-M-A-U-T-H-O-R.com. And we have links to our podcast. We have links to our nonprofit, which is Empower Kids for Literacy, which focuses on mental health and literacy and gets books into the hands of kids, no matter what their personal or social circumstances are. We have a TED Talk on there about finding your inspiration date. And we're working on a new one 
uh, own your clone, get back on your throne. I love that. And I love that both of you joined uh, with us today at the Baroness podcast. I want to thank Lisa and Ashley for speaking with us today. You know, it's been an honor uh, to be joined by two beautiful and empowering women. We wish you luck, Ashley, with finishing your um, education up there in Maine. We wish you the best in both your academic career, your artist career. We, I can't wait to see what comes next for you. I'm so excited. Lisa, looking forward to some more beautiful books and your motivation and inspiration. You also have a podcast that is called... Tell Me, and it's on all major uh, podcasting platforms. Awesome. So hopefully our listeners can log on over to that and check you out and listen. You've been listening to the RCBC Baroness podcast, which highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. For more information about this podcast or other podcasts available on the RCBC Podcast Network, visit rcbc.edu slash podcast and be sure to subscribe to the RCBC Baroness podcast. Take care. Thanks. You've been listening to the RCBC Baroness podcast, which highlights women in leadership while encouraging listeners to build their skills, connect with the community, and visualize the opportunities available to women in various professions. For more information about this podcast or other podcasts available on the RCBC podcast network, visit rcbc.edu slash podcast. And be sure to subscribe to the RCBC Baroness podcast available on all streaming platforms.